Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about calls for Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign. Feinstein has been suffering from shingles since late February. The 89-year-old senator, who was first elected to the Senate in 1992, has been recovering at home in San Francisco. Doctors say 80% of the people recover from shingles in a month. With others, particularly older folks, the symptoms could last longer. If you're still in pain after three months, then it could be with you for the rest of your life. Over the time that Feinstein has been out, she's missed 60 of 82 votes, including more than two dozen votes to confirm the people that President Biden wants to appoint as federal judges. Because there's divided government in Washington, that means little, if anything, will get done until the 2024 election. One of the few things that Biden can accomplish is appointing left-leaning judges while he still has a very slim majority in the Senate. And that's what has Democrats frustrated. With Feinstein out, the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is where judicial candidates are first considered, is deadlocked, 10-10, Democrat-Republican. And a tie vote means that no judges will be confirmed. Two House members, including Congressman Ro Khanna, a Democrat from Santa Clara, are calling for Feinstein to step down, a rare thing for someone to say about another member of the same party. Kana's call has turned up the heat on Feinstein, who was already facing concerns about not being able to do her job because of diminished mental acuity. On Monday, Chronicle editorial board member and columnist Emily Hoven tackled the question of whether Feinstein should step down. Just about a year ago, my former Chronicle colleague Tal Copen and I wrote an investigative piece that said four U.S. senators, including three Democrats, told us that her memory is rapidly deteriorating. Three former Feinstein staffers and a California Democratic House member told us the same thing. They said it appears she can no longer fulfill her job duties without her staff doing much of the work. Feinstein declined to talk to us for that story, but right after it published, she spoke to the Chronicle's editorial board. She defended herself to them, saying, I meet regularly with leaders. I'm not isolated. I see people. My attendance is good. I started my conversation with Emily Hoven by pointing out that Feinstein's not doing those things right now. Yeah, she kind of is not meeting the criteria that she laid out for herself in that editorial board conversation. And, you know, kind of the conclusion that I came to after thinking about this, talking to some the medical professionals, was that it really sort of seems to me that the most sense would be is to wait until she reaches that three-month mark after her shingles diagnosis, which is in about a month. I mean, she was diagnosed February 24th, which is about two months ago. And so it's possible that within the next month, her shingles will clear up, her pain will be gone, and she's able to you know, re- return back to Washington. Obviously, that does not address the issue of her mental acuity. But what I think has been interesting to me in this this renewed debate about calls for her to resign is that they have largely been couched in this rhetoric of she isn't there in Judiciary Committee. You know, she's not voting in person. She's not there. But I get the impression, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way, that even if her shingles were to totally clear up and she goes back and she's voting and all this... There are a lot of folks that probably don't think she's really fit to be in office anymore. And I think that if that is the actual issue at hand here, if we're arguing less about the length of her recovery from shingles, which may not even end up being abnormal considering her age, and we're actually talking more about her age and her mental acuity, 
that's a different conversation and that should be judged on different merits than the length of her recovery. Well, yeah, that's the question. Why is Feinstein being singled out here? We saw John Fetterman of Pennsylvania take off a couple months to be treated for clinical depression. We saw the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, take time off after he had a concussion. Both of them just returned to work. Feinstein's uh, missing votes on the Judiciary Committee. But how much of this Democratic angst is rooted in what former Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg did in her last few years? I thought about that a lot as well, because there are, at least to my mind, some similarities. I mean, obviously, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an icon. You know, Feinstein is also a political icon. You know, both of them were trailblazing women who persisted in their roles for as long as they wanted to, you know, despite concern that maybe their health wasn't up to it, you know. And I think that that has, you know, stoked fears among Democrats that if you have people staying in office maybe past the time that they should be, there could be unintended consequences. And in the case of Feinstein, there's that possibility that some of Biden's appointees won't get confirmed as judges. I think Feinstein has kind of tried to the extent that she can to walk that fine line. As you reported, she has asked Senate Democratic leadership to temporarily replace her on the Judiciary Committee, although that will require, as you pointed out, Republican support. Democrats and Republicans are not known for helping each other out. But I do think it's also a fair question, you know, if she let's again, if she has this month left where things could improve and she's back in a month, how big of a difference will it make for her to be absent for one more month? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I do feel that some of the frustration is just this this idea that she's kind of overstayed her her welcome and shingles might be as good of an excuse as any to kind of get her out. So she said in February she wasn't going to seek a, another six-year term, but as, as you allude to, she still has another year and a half left to serve in this term. She's held elective office here in California since 1969 when she was first elected to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. As you say, it's a groundbreaking, pioneering career. But you, you're calling for patience. You write that, quote, patience is hard to come by in politics, but that is what this situation calls for. Feinstein deserves the opportunity to make a full recovery before being jostled out of office. But why shouldn't she resign now? There's a, there's a finite of time for her friend Joe Biden to appoint judges. Trump confirmed 234. Biden's got about half that many. Why shouldn't she resign now and, and help her party out? Well, I think I go back again to this question of how big of a difference is a month. I think that Look, like these calls for her to step down have been happening for years at this point. She's obviously <laughs> she's she has a lot of steeliness about her. You know, some might say that that it's stubbornness and maybe she's not reading the room. And what I feel is that she should be treated the same way anybody in this position would. And I do on its face find it difficult to believe that if it was like a 40 year old person who, I don't know, took three months of, I don't know, parental leave or to deal with depression or something like that, that they would say, resign and we're going to have someone replace you. So I think that let's let the the illness and its recovery term that we know about, let's see what that what that happens. And if after the next month, she's not back in office, she's not improving, then I think it's time to seriously say, okay, you're not you're not better. But I do think it's premature. It's almost like a bone hasn't quite yet healed. And you're like, well, go through a football. And it's like, well, let's make sure that we give it the right amount of time to heal. And then let's test it out. And 
I just would go back to this question of how much of it really is about shingles and how much of it is about something else. And I think that if Democrats are arguing something else, then they should make that argument because it's disingenuous to to make this one because what happens if it goes away, right? Then she's back in office, she's back on the committee. And then if people are still unhappy, then it's going to be clear that it wasn't really the shingles. It was it was something else. The one person I'm watching out for is Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. She's a center-left person in the Senate. And the other day they asked her about how much leeway she would give Feinstein. You give her that time to be able to come back. But if she can't come back month after month after month with this close Senate, that's not just going to hurt California. It's going to be an issue for the country. Mm -hmm. So we take her at her word she's coming back. Let's see what that date is. That's who I'm watching. If Feinstein starts losing the Amy Klobuchar's of the world, then I think the walls could be closing in on her and the the pressure on her to resign will be hotter. Is there anyone you're looking at? I think I would just say that I think you're right, that I do think she has a little more time left. And maybe I'm Amy Klobuchar, you know, on the same wavelength as she is right now, where I think there's a little more, she's a little bit more of a runway. But I do think that after that, it's going to be increasingly difficult to to rationally make the argument that she should remain in office. I, I would say that someone that I'm watching, not because I think he's going to weigh in on it because I don't think he will until he absolutely has to is Governor Gavin Newsom, just because it's fascinating to me that if Feinstein were to step down or to resign, the governor would be in this pickle about who he would have to choose to replace her. And he would only be the third governor in California history that would have the opportunity to appoint two U.S. senators. And as you've written, he has pledged to appoint a black woman to the seat if Feinstein were to resign. And then that's going to set off a whole you know, array of, of, oh, let's, of questions. Let's talk about the complications <laughs> there, because the, if there's one person that doesn't want Feinstein to resign, I think it's Gavin Newsom. Exactly. He would be in a tough position. Explain why he he would be in a tough position. Well, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he has made this promise, right, that he would appoint a black woman because when Kamala Harris left, she was the only black woman in the Senate. And so now there's this question of who would he pick because the, the, the primary for the for the 2024 election is coming up in like a year, which is insane. And there are already three candidates in the race, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. Of those, Barbara Lee is the only black woman. And so if Newsom were to pick her, he would be pretty clearly putting his weight on the scale and potentially tipping the scales of the election in her favor when that 2024 primary comes around. And that could be difficult. I mean, he also could appoint a caretaker, someone that essentially says, I'm going to just hold this seat and, you know, I'm not going to run in 2024. I'm just going to kind of fill this spot until the people vote. Dianne Feinstein used to be one of the most popular politicians in California, but that's changed a lot lately. I'll talk to Emily about that after a break. But before you go, I want to tell you about a fun Chronicle Live event. It's all about the future of California weather. It's this Thursday at Manny's. We'll test your local weather knowledge, and there'll be a fascinating discussion featuring newsroom meteorologist Jerry Diaz, ABC7's Drew Tuma, and climatologist Alan Rhodes. Thursday at 6 p.m., get your tickets at welcometomannies.com. Hey, I've been to these Chronicle events at Manny's, and they are great. Really intimate audience, fabulous energy in the room. They are a blast. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. 
Last week, Feinstein sought to take some of the heat off of herself by saying that she would temporarily step down from the Senate Judiciary Committee. Chuck Schumer, majority leader, said he would temporarily replace her in the committee with someone else until she returned. But that idea sounds doomed because it would involve Schumer getting help from Republicans. And, you know, you allude to this earlier, where in divided government, there's really no incentive for Republicans to toss a life preserver to the drowning Democrats on this one. Where is that right now? I heard Senator Tom Cotton, as we're recording this, a Republican from Arkansas, say, I'm not voting for that. I'm not, I'm, he explicitly said, I'm not helping the Democrats out because this is the one of the few things they can accomplish in an, an election year. You think there's a chance of actually happening? I mean, I just off of political vibes alone, there's, I cannot even really think of a situation where you're going to have Democrats or Republicans helping each other out in that way. I mean, I guess another way to think about it, and I don't know if they're thinking this far in advance, but okay, let's say that she doesn't get better and that she's under increasing pressure to resign. She does resign. Okay, Newsom appoints someone. Is it someone that they would like or dislike more than Feinstein? Like, is it someone who's going to be way more progressive than she is? I mean, I, I don't know if they think like that, but I guess there could be an argument to make for, for you know, allowing someone to replace her. I, I, I just think that's doomed. I, I think we're going to be back to square one and the heat will be back on Feinstein and perhaps Newsom again. I wanted to get your take on this. You, as someone who grew up in the Bay Area, you've grown up with Feinstein as your senator for 30 odd years. In 2004, Feinstein had a 54% approval rating, 26% disapproval rating, arguably the most popular politician in the state. And that's after she's, she was around for a couple of decades. And so that's extremely rare, as we know, to have people still like you after you've been in office for a while. Now those approval numbers have flipped. Uh, I think the last we saw was a 49% of people disapprove of her. What is like, you know, a Gen Z's impression of her? People who don't know her as her backstory. Yeah. Well, first of all, Joe, I have to say I am not Gen Z. I know. I, you're, you're Gen Z adjacent. It's, it's a good question. I mean, I think that honestly, like even for people of my generation, like, you know, I was still pretty young, 2004. Um, it, I think that Diane finds, I mean, she has been there for so long that some of those trailblazing things that she did when she was younger have kind of been lost to history. And I think a lot of people see politicians like her and Nancy Pelosi as a little bit of relics of this old age and the establishment, you know, it's like, oh, they they sit in these in these seats all the time. And like, what are they actually doing for us? And I think that um, Feinstein in particular, in my experience, you know, I've never like interacted with her as like one of her constituents. And I feel like, especially in recent years, I know that she hasn't held as many like public events with people for her, for them to get to know her and understand her. Not, not since 2017, she hasn't held up town hall. Yeah, no. And like that, that's, I do think that that's a little bit inexcusable because obviously even if you're elderly, I mean, you need, your your job is to, is to represent people and to be there with them and understand what they're going through and talk with them. And, you know, I know that um, Alex Padilla has, you know, does tons of interviews, public events, things like that. And he also had to win re-election last year. So he had a motivation to do it. Yeah, and he, had, he, he did like 250 events, I think, in the year before in 2021. Yeah. And it's crazy amount. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is it is a market difference. And I mean, I just think, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think I also recently watched the the Hillary Clinton documentary on, on Hulu. And it was like shocking to me because 
you know, you see her when she's in a college student and she's talking at her graduation and like sticking it to the man, standing up and like fighting for women's rights and all these things as a young woman. And as a young woman myself, I was like, this is so, you know, inspirational and exciting and like, wow. And then you, when politicians get older and they've been in the game for so long and you almost feel like it kind of warps them a little bit. And even if it doesn't warp them, it warps your impression of them. And I feel like that's kind of happened to Feinstein as well, where some of these these really active things that she was doing have just kind of faded and she's kind of just become like a fixture of the political environment. And she, she's not vibrant anymore, you know, and that's, right, that's right. sad, but that's the truth. You know, Feinstein was on It's All Political in April of 2018, and she talked about the length of her career. I've learned through all of this, through death, mm -hmm. through illness, that it's what I'm meant to do. So it, it sounds like I'm on some kind of messianic mission. That's not the case. <laughs> but you do figure out what you're meant to do. Yeah. So I've tried to serve people. Things are obviously different with her health now. Even given what she said about what she's meant to do, why do you think she's hanging on? Look, if it was me in her position, I think it would honestly be a little bit of pride because you have been there for so long, right? And like she would have never gotten to the things that she got to. She never would have been the first female mayor of San Francisco, you know, longest serving female senator in U.S. history. If people had said like stop or leave or you've had enough, like time for you to go. I mean, the idea of being told what to do, I don't think anybody likes it, right? And I think for, for Feinstein, there would be a sense of pride and relief in wrapping things up in 2024. And it's like, I completed what I set out to do. I completed my term. No one kicked me out. No one told me what to do. And like, screw that, you know? And I think that's a little bit how I would feel, to be quite honest, just because you you want what you feel like you deserve and what you have earned. And I feel like she feels that she has earned this. She has earned the right to finish with dignity on her terms and no one else's. And yeah, she's a moderate Democrat. Like, yeah, she's old. And like, she doesn't care. Like she doesn't, she doesn't feel the need, I don't think, to move aside because the next person, they'll have their turn, but this is mine. I'm going to complete it the way I want to. Emily Hoven, thanks so much for being on It's All Political on Fifth Admission. This was great. Thanks so much, Joe. I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. Thanks to Emily Hoven for being on the podcast today. You can find her story on Diane Feinstein at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing and editing this episode. And remember, no matter why you're missing work, it's all political. On Fifth and Mission. <laughs>